Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church and OCCathome.com. We are so glad you're here. At OCC, our mission is to invite people to take their next steps with Jesus. And so we pray that through our time together, you're encouraged and challenged to move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Good morning, OCC. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm really happy to be continuing on with the message series called Peeled. And what we're doing in this series is we're actually asking, if your life were like a piece of fruit, imagine like an orange, and you were to peel it back, would it be sweet or would it be sour? And on our own, we find that what we produce is usually pretty sour. But as we repair our relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and as his Holy Spirit begins to flow through us over time and he teaches us new ways of living, what we find is that we can actually produce, by his help, some sweet ways of relating to one another. And so, um, and actually there's a list of these in the Bible and they're called the fruit of the spirit. And there's a list in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And it says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So we've been talking about each one of those um, pieces of fruit over this series. And so if you've missed some of those, you can check them out on our website, orangecrestcc.org. And we, you know, you can watch some of those um, there and kind of get caught up. So, but today we're going to actually draw, bring our attention to the word kindness. All right. Now, as I was preparing for this message, I started thinking about that word kindness and the word kind. And I realized, how often do I actually use that word in my everyday language? And as I really thought, I thought, you know, I I pretty much used it quite a bit when my kids were younger and I was raising them. You know, hey, be kind to your sister. Hey, is that a way you want to treat your brother? Shouldn't you choose kindness? Is it kind not to share? You know, these were some of the uses I used it for. And then I realized, is it something that like me and some men use as we're talking to each other and talking about our relationships with one another or even our wives? Like, do we use that word kind often? I don't know. Then it started to make me think, is kindness kind of like baby teeth? Is it something that we use when we're younger? It's a good word, a good concept for them. But as we get older, it kind of needs to fall out like our baby teeth. And then sturdier teeth and sturdier concepts need to come in that kind of help us for the next 80 years of life, you know, deal with the really hard stuff of life. Um, but then I realized if it made it on a list in the Bible where God says this is his fruit that he wants to develop in us, I probably should pay attention to that. It's probably a little bit more important. In fact, I probably need to have um, more than a six-year-old's understanding of the word kind and kindness. Let me pivot for a minute here. Did you know that there are over one million words in the English language? And right now, currently in the United States, we have about 170,000 words in use. But an individual only uses about 20 to 30,000 of those words. So we definitely have some missing words right now. Um, but and, and words really are important because their purpose is to convey and communicate reality, not only to ourselves, but to others. And so at this point, you're probably saying, whoa, whoa, Scott, what's this whole lesson in history about words? Like, should I go and check out? Is that even kind to us? And And the reason is, The reason is, is I'm just merely pointing out 
that words, concepts, cultural values change as often as the tides do. And we really cannot depend upon what's culturally relevant to tell us what to focus our lives on and what's important to God. This is really an example of how we occasionally need to deeply excavate and mine the meaning and concepts that are important to God, which we find in his word. And I think kindness is a word that's definitely seen to have lost its meaning in our current language. And part of the problem is, is I think it gets thrown in the same bucket as nice, kind of nice. They're kind of, they're almost um, synonyms, you know, as we reach back in the thesaurus of our mind, you know, when we need one of those words, whichever one pops out first, we just use. But niceness is actually something pretty different than kindness. You know, let's, let's pop that word in our Galatians 5.22 passage here. Follow me on this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, niceness. You know, that would mean something different altogether. You know, nice can be as shallow as polite, amiable, or even just pleasant. And those are good things, but a shallow misrepresentation of what I really think the Holy Spirit is trying to develop deep inside of us. For example, check this out. You can actually lie in the name of being kind. Or, sorry, not kind, nice. You can actually lie in the name of being nice. Niceness and flattery actually make a great pair. But kindness doesn't lie. It doesn't flatter. And it actually needs to be, which we'll talk about this later, coupled with truthfulness. And listen to this, too. You can actually be a really nice guy and be an absolute coward. You know, but kindness is actually going to require some courage. Um, you can also uh, be a really nice parent and totally neglect the discipline of your children. But a kind father is really faithful to discipline his kids. Nice guys can even be passive and non-committal. But the kindness we read about here in the Bible, well, that calls for a boldness and a firmness. So today I really want us to help us define what God is actually talking about and really to gather, to, you know, to kind of lay this out and to get a really full understanding. I'm going to kind of use the human body as a picture and parts of the body to really describe the anatomy of, of what the Bible refers to when it says kindness. And to, but to get us started, if you put all those parts together, a very simple yet accurate definition you would have for the word kindness is just this. It's undeserved helpfulness. Undeserved helpfulness. You know, kindness is undeserved by others. It's something that we give. It's not earned. And it is also helpful to others to benefit them. So with that in mind, let's look at what the heart of kindness is. You know, the heart will be our first piece of this whole anatomy of kindness that we're going to talk about. And when you look at the heart of something, we're really talking about the motive, kind of what drives and gives life to something, just like our heart gives life to our body. And the heart is kind of the why behind the what. Uh, niceness can have any number of motives behind it, but this type of kindness the Bible talks about can actually only have one motive. And that is love. The heart of kindness is love. And this is the motive that's actually behind God's kindness towards us. Check this out in Titus 3, verses 3 through 5. For we ourselves, this is us, were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing the days in malice and envy, hated by others. Check that out. Hated by others and hating one another neither kind nor nice, 
But when the goodness and, listen to this phrase, loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in in righteousness, but according to his very own mercy. You know, here we see that phrase, loving kindness, to describe what was behind God's actions to save us. You know, this pairing of love and kindness is really a pattern you see in the New Testament. When kindness is mentioned, you can bet that love is being talked about as well there. And God didn't really just wait for us. You know, think about that. He didn't just wait for us to earn his kindness. He initiated kindness, you know, even when we did nothing to deserve it. Yet having received God's kindness in that way, we often don't dispense kindness in the same way as the others. We actually reserve our kindness for those who have earned it. Um, and, you know, it's basically the opposite of what he's talking about here. And, and here's a great example in my own life of where this is true. It's actually something that I've really been trying to work out over the last few years. And it's how I treat customer service representatives, especially those on the phone. You know, if they're polite, if they're helpful, then man, in in turn, I am also very polite and helpful and you're going to see a great side of me. They're going to say, boy, that was a kind and nice man I just spoke to. However, if the person on the other of the phone is rude, unreasonable, doesn't know what they're talking about, and is actually blocking my goals, um, you may see another side of me. And I don't like that, but but this is when like, you know, when you peel back Instead of the fruit of kindness, what's really underneath turns out to be pretty sour at times. And so, um, you know, this is not just something that occurs with strangers on the phone, though. This actually occurs with our spouse, our kids, our neighbors, our friends. And right now, especially right now, tensions are high, you know, between people, between our neighbors, between our coworkers, between people at the store. You know, based on how close you stand to people online or... You know, based on um, somebody's ideology about wearing a mask or not, you know, there are plenty of opportunities for conflict right now. And check out what Jesus says about this whole phenomenon in Matthew five forty six through 47. He says, for if you love those who love you, what reward, excuse me, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And in this time period, tax collectors were pretty despicable people. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? And Gentiles were people who didn't follow God. Jesus is basically saying, look, um, you show kindness to people who are kind to you. That's great. But you don't really need a relationship with me to pull that off. Think about that. You don't really need a relationship with God to pull off being kind to people who are kind to you. So God knows something that's going on in reality, which we experience every day, which is we aren't always kind to one another. So does that mean we're never going to be kind to one another in response? Something has to change here. So today, even more, it is a time when we really, really, really need God's help in our relationships, in our mission of reaching out to people, so that we don't get sidelined if we don't choose the loving kindness that God shows us right now. Which leads me to the next part of our, you know, defining kindness, which is the mind of kindness. You see, God didn't just haphazardly decide one day 
to show love towards us. He didn't. He intended it from the very beginning of time. Check this out in Ephesians 1.4. For he, which is God, chose in us, excuse me, chose us in him, Jesus, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. This was far from an impulse decision for God. It wasn't just a random act of kindness on his part. It was deliberate. It was a well-thought-out plan. And God, at great cost to himself, figured out, how can I save these people? What do they need? And he, he intended a plan through Jesus Christ, his son. And the, you know, the mind of kindness is thoughtfulness. Kindness requires thoughtfulness. Because the goal really is, you know, remember our definition, undeserved helpfulness. The goal is helpfulness. To show kindness to others, we actually really need to be asking the question, which is, how can I be helpful? Um, if you're actually taking notes, this would be a great question to write down. And sometimes the answer is pretty easy and there's not much thought required. But often and even probably more than most, it's going to require some time to answer that question. Um, this reminds me of a story, you know, years ago, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister actually was diagnosed with brain cancer and it was pretty bleak. In fact, she actually died from her disease. And during that time of her treatment, during those years when she was getting treatment, she would actually still come and visit us when she felt well enough to. And many people in OCC got a chance to get to know her. And many people actually served our family and showed a lot of love and kindness towards her. And to all of you, we actually really we say thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, and not to disparage anything that anybody else did, but I really do want to focus in on one person's story during that time just to illustrate this idea of thoughtfulness. There was a woman at our church who, who got to know Nicole. And she really thought through, man, how can I really care and love for Scott and Penny? Her options were pretty limited to her based on the relationship and what she could do. Because at that point, at that point, we just wanted her healed, you know. And But she knew that what she could do is she can begin praying diligently for Nicole. And then, in fact, she actually led her two children to begin praying for Nicole and Nicole's kids, our niece and nephew, who were actually about the same age and gender as her kids. Those kids even began to gain a heart for my niece and nephew and started writing them letters. And they became pen pals during that time and even after a bit. And then when it came time that Nicole did finally pass, this woman, as well as many others at our church, at their own expense and at her own inconvenience, traveled a very inconvenient distance which required lodging and some expense towards this just to sit with us at the memorial service i mean this was incredibly kind this was incredibly thoughtful like i said she really sat down and thought how can i serve and love scott and penny and nicole and Nicole's children during this time. And this sort of thing really has a huge impact on our lives when we experience it because it allows us to kind of taste and really see the nature of God's undeserved love towards us, which he's trying to, to, to deeply in, um, incorporate in our own lives. And this has a lasting impact. Now, if you're like me at this point, you're thinking, hey, I want to be helpful, you know, but, but how do I always know what to do? It's great that that woman was able to figure that out, but how do I know what to do? And this question really leads me to our next concept, and that is the ears of kindness. 
If the goal of kindness is really genuine helpfulness, then it really will require thoughtfulness, and thoughtfulness requires time. And one of the reasons it requires so much time is that we don't have all the information. You know, God knows, you know, the heart, the mind, the desires of mankind, but we don't really have access to all that data. Listen in Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, The purpose of a man's heart is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. So, you know, when we try to contemplate someone's heart and how to help them, it's kind of like staring at a lake, a very deep lake, and trying to figure out what's down beneath. You know, it's it's actually really hard to see, if not downright even mysterious, what's at the bottom of the lake. So to understand the heart, it requires drawing it out. And because of this, we actually need to have ears of kindness, which is simply listening. You know, for many years, I actually had a really scary heart condition. My heart would suddenly start beating at like almost sometimes 300 beats per minute. And so as you could imagine, I ended up in the ER and uh, multiple times with multiple follow-up appointments, cardiology appointments, different halter monitors, different EKG readings and stress tests. And they could never quite reproduce what would happen to me quite frequently for about you know, 20 years, but about 13 years of really trying to track it down. They can never quite reproduce it. And for some reason, my account of the story wasn't something they were necessarily interested in hearing. (laughs) Um, They wanted to see it. And so um, for almost about 13 years of tracking this down with doctors, um, they just chalked it up to anxiety and told me I just had anxiety. Now, I knew what anxiety felt like, and I knew that this wasn't anxiety. But one day, I finally had a doctor actually listen to me. In fact, he listened so well and asked so many questions that he was able to give me a proper diagnosis and, and, and you know get me into the proper treatment to cure this situation, which actually changed my life for the better. I no longer have that problem. And my life is no longer at risk, apparently. So it's 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 really important to listen. And, and our ability to act with thoughtfulness towards people and towards those around us will really be limited if we don't take the time to listen. You know, how can I be helpful? It's a great question to ask ourselves, but it's also a great question to ask others. But drawing out understanding isn't just a simple like two-step process, I think. Then I listen, hey, I'm done. I got my plan. It's more like a cycle, okay? And this is really important to understand. It's you think, you ask questions, you listen. You think, you ask questions, you listen. It's mind, ears, mind, ears, mind, ears. And as we do this, our understanding um, of what would truly be helpful really begins to increase. And then as a result of this, we can dispense kindness in a very intelligent and beneficial way. When it comes to dispensing kindness, we have two ways we can do that. And the first of those is with the mouth of kindness, which is our speech. In Ephesians 4, we can read a really rich summary of what kind of what speech kind speech really should and ought to look like. And here it is, Ephesians 4. I'm going to read verse 25, 29, and 32. And it says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building 
others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. So two things really um, stand out in this verse, and it's that our speech should be truthful and beneficial. So truthful in that we are urged to, as the verse says, put away falsehood and speak truthfully. When we wander into falsehood, we're actually wandering away from kindness. You know, truth is a basic ingredient of what kindness is. And here's kind of that tension is because truthfulness isn't, even though it might be kind, it may not be nice. And I can't tell you how thankful I am for the many times a very gracious and wise loving friend has come to me in a thoughtful, considering my needs manner and risked a nice, you know, amiable, polite kind of relationship in order to correct me on a pattern of my life that was could be detrimental for my life. And so I appreciate the fact that People have had not nice conversations in order to be kind and truthful towards me so that I can grow and change. Um, but not only do we only need to be truthful, we also need to be beneficial. And the passage says, stick to speech that is beneficial and helpful for building others up. Um, not only do words need to be truthful, but they also need to be helpful. And it's building others up, not tearing down. Um, if you basically decide to rattle off every truthful thing that comes to your mind with people, you will be characterized as someone who tears down. And it would actually be much more nice just to remain silent. But if you can couple truthful speech with speech that builds up, if your truthful speech kind of can kind of pass the test of beneficial and building up, then man, your words can be restorative encouraging and really strengthen others speech is one way to of dispensing kindness the other is with the hands and feet of kindness which is really our actions okay we use our hands and feet to act kindly towards people and you know what does this actually look like in everyday like what is now that we've done we've learned all these various aspects of kindness what does this actually look like day in day out with our actions and so if you're if you're a teacher of children or you have your own children or you're just around children, you'll probably find yourself coaching them all the time on tiny little actions of kindness because they just don't innately do it and they don't know how to do it. They lack the maturity. And so, for example, you know, we have a couple families over to watch the Sunday morning service with us in our backyard. And I'm able to observe the parents coaching their kids in this because we put this big box of Legos out. And all the kids get to play with it. And I'm able to see the parents coach their children on how to share the Legos with one another. And then also how to help in, you know, cleaning it up at the end. They're helping one another and helping us. And so they're able to kind of use their ears to listen. You know, they're able to use their mouths to request for, you know, to um, to request to share a Lego. And then they're able to use their hands and feet to help clean up at the end. And, you know, that's great for children. It's easy to understand how it works. But what does it look like for adults in everyday life? And to be honest with you, I don't think it's a whole lot different. Um, you know, personally, me, I'd rather do one big grand act of kindness a week. You know, I could gear up. I could plan. I could be thoughtful. I could mark it out on my calendar and get it done. And then I can go back to just advancing my own agenda. But that's not the assignment that God has put on my plate. Instead, he's lined up hundreds 
of small acts of kindness and small words for me to dispense daily to people. Um, a good example of this is I used to work in, for a foster and adoption agency as a social worker, and I would see these parents taking kids who had been taken from their birth parents for a variety of different bad situations. And these foster families would include these kids in their life as if they were their own. And, you know, taking a child in your home, that's not a small act of kindness. In fact, it's probably as big of an act of kindness as you can get. But that's not what leaves a positive impact on these kids. They're not changed instantly by this one big grand act. It's the hundreds and thousands of small words and actions of kindness that these foster families show every day. These foster parents daily dispense kindness to children who actually are in desperate need of it. See, what God's trying to produce in us as we wrap up here is a kindness that goes much deeper than being nice. A kindness that starts with the heart is motivated by love towards those who don't deserve it. A kindness that takes the time to think, listen, and ask, how can I be helpful? A kindness that follows through with helpful speech and helpful actions. If you're watching this with a group of people or with your family, at the end of this service, I'd like you to just discuss and answer this question. And we'll put it up on the end again. And it's, which aspects of kindness will be most difficult for you? Will it be loving those who don't deserve it? That's a tough one. Will it be thoughtfully considering how to be helpful to someone? Or will it be listening to find out what is most helpful and to draw out what is actually needed in a situation. So let's pray. God, we thank you for your truth, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't have to rely upon our current culture to tell us what's good and right, Lord. You have given it to us in your word, Lord. And it's it's not simple. This is hard. It's hard to understand and it's hard to actually live out, Lord. But Lord, we know that you are faithful as we walk with you, as our relationship with you is repaired through Jesus Christ, and we begin to be obedient and walk with you, you will flow through us these fruits, Lord, of your spirit. And kindness is one of those, Lord. So help us, Lord, to live this out. Help us to take our next steps. And thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wait around for people to be kind to us, for us to be kind towards them. Help us to do that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We pray you were encouraged by the message and equipped to take your next step with Jesus. Visit us online at occathome.com to learn more about how to connect with us. And join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast. Have a great day.